David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Ellie, we got another great show here today on Sports and Torts here on TalkZone.com. We've got Jerome Bettis and Will Shields, two Hall of Famers. I just can't believe how I was able and you were able to get all four of the young Hall of Famers are going to Hall of Fame this year. No questions asked. I think we've come a long way. Yeah, I'd like to take credit, but you're the guy that tracked them down. And you did a heck of a job. I think these guys are going to be a little bit busier in the months to come. So it was good to get them while we could. Let's get right to the interview we did with the boss, Jerome Bettis. It's been a long time coming getting this Hall of Fame. Did you think it was ever going to come? Uh, I was I was hoping that that it, it happened, but um, you know, this is a a very very exclusive uh, uh, club to be in, and so I understood that uh, it was a process, and I was just hoping that my time would come pretty soon. Well, I looked at the list of NFL career rushing leaders, and I see a bunch of guys in the Hall of Fame who are not number six on that list, as you are. So there's a, a, there would have seemed a certain inevitability, but after a while you go, okay, what's happening here? Yeah, you know, I, I hope so. I mean, I hope so that uh, when you look at uh, the list that, that uh, that says all it needs to say, but unfortunately, that uh, it, you know it didn't it didn't uh, materialize uh, into uh, being elected. So I was patient and I was willing to. I was I understood that if, if I didn't get in, it just wasn't my time. It wasn't that I wasn't worthy. It just wasn't my time. And that's how I was able to, to to keep my sanity about it because I understood that there were some some great players uh, that went in before me that deserved to be in. Each every guy that that went in, uh, when you look at those lists, they all deserve to be on there. And when I look at the group I'm going in with, there was also another ten guys on that list that deserved to be in that just aren't in yet. And, you know, it's not that they don't deserve to be in there. It's just it's not their time yet. And and so that's how I had to look at it. It could be worse. Look at former Pittsburgh Steeler Jack Butler. He waited 50 years. Exactly. <laughs> you know, sometimes you, you know, you got to be patient. But, yeah, but sometimes it's difficult for that, too. Oh, it, no, it's difficult every single year. Uh, make no mistake about it. That's the That's the difficult part. But. You know, you have no choice. It's it's out of your hands. If if I could, you know, score a touchdown and make it happen, you better believe <laughs> I would have been through the hole, uh, and there would have been anybody to stop me. So, you, but unfortunately, you don't. You're not in control of it. You you can't determine the outcome. So you have to kind of hang on and, and and hope that it happens. How does a guy who grew up in Michigan end up going to Notre Dame? Did Michigan drop the ball and not recruit you? 
No, Michigan, it, it came down between Notre Dame and Michigan. But what it boiled down to for me uh, was that I played fullback. Michigan had just recruited the number one tailback in the country. Uh, and there was a situation where I knew that he was going to have to get the football. I was the a fullback, and I, I could run the football, but it was more, you know, Michigan's offense was, was based around the tailback running the football. So I knew that my best opportunity was going to be at Notre Dame where Lou Holtz's, Lou Holtz's system was was really uh, predicated on the fullback having success. So it fit it fit me and who I was. I, I thought it might have been Notre Dame had better bowling alleys in Michigan. <laughs> no, Michigan is there. Michigan has the best bowling centers uh, in the country, and actually, per capita has has the most uh, uh, bowlers of any state in the in the country. So it's a big bowling town. What was Coach Holtz like to play for? Oh, uh, he was amazing. He was he was great. Coach was. You know, he was, you know, he was a dictator now. Make no mistake about it. Uh, if you got on his, his wrong side, you were in big trouble. But, you know, he expected you to be disciplined, uh, uh, play with respect, uh, and play 100%. And he helped develop me into the player that I became. He was great. But if you got on his bad side, watch out. So how often, if ever, did you get on his bad side? I never got on the bad side because I always knew, hey, be on time. That was the number one issue, uh, and the quickest way guys got in big big trouble was by being late. So I always knew uh, you better be early so that you ensure success. Because if you if you if you were you know at a meeting late, you better believe it's going to affect your football and. And that's the last thing I wanted to affect. So I, I was always smart enough to know, be sitting when he closes that door or else you're in trouble. <laughs> you talk about being patient. As a freshman, you carried the ball 15 times. Did, did you say to yourself, hey, I should I should be carrying the ball 15 times a game? No, you know what? My freshman year, <laughs> I, was, I, I understood – what the uh, hierarchy was and how everything went. And I knew I was a freshman, and Lou Holtz, he hated freshmen carrying the football. And he said it to us. He told us. He, he only do it if I have to do it, you know, that type of thing, because he had veteran players. And you have to remember, at that time, he had All-Americans at every position. So I was playing behind some great fullbacks already. So I knew that I was going to have to be patient. And the fact that I was able to crack into the starting lineup as a freshman, that spoke volumes as to how he, what he thought of me. Uh, and he finally gave me the ball you know, a couple of times. And then in the bowl game is when he gave it to me a, a, a couple of times that made a big difference. And, but it was one of those I knew as a freshman I wasn't going to get too many opportunities. Well, you sure came about as a sophomore there. You had, what, 20 touchdowns, almost 1,000 yards rushing? 
And yeah, he 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 made up for it uh, my sophomore year by giving me the football every which way possible. He threw it to me. He gave it to me uh, at the fullback position, and he also uh, put me at tailback sometimes when he wanted to go three wide receivers. Then I became the tailback. So he gave me a lot of opportunities to carry the football. Started my sophomore year. Did you enjoy running the ball more or catching the ball? Because a, a lot of running backs think that they're wide receivers. No, I never had that uh, idea. I was, you know, I was almost about 250 pounds in college, so I didn't, I, I didn't get it misunderstood. I understood that uh, it was best for me to, to keep it on the ground, uh, and also I couldn't jump that high, so I knew uh, it was in my best interest to run it every chance I got. If I remember correctly, I remember watching you play in college, and they used to talk about you. Did you used to run up and down the stairs at the stadium to work out? No, not too much. I, I mean, we we all had to do it from time to time, but you know that wasn't the majority of what of what we did. You know, we did we did a lot of running. Don't get me wrong, but um, not, not, never really stadium the stadium stairs. We I think we did it maybe once or twice uh, uh, as punishment. Uh, more than anything else. What were those Michigan-Notre Dame games like? Were, did did Holtz get up for them more than, you know, Navy and other teams other, like other that? Games? Well, yeah. I mean, it was a big rivalry. And it was, it was usually the first game of the season. So, it, you know, it meant that this game, the first game of the season, pretty much determined whether or not you had a chance to win the national championship. So the games were were very very heated uh, because you know it's the first one, uh, but also if you lost, you pretty much lost you know your chance to win a national championship. So it was it was huge games and Coach Holtz was always in an uproar when it was Michigan Week because he understood the significance of the games, but us you know eighteen nineteen twenty year olds. We, we never really truly understood the significance of, of that game uh, and how early it was on our schedule. How did you convince Coach Holtz to let you tape your shoes and ankles? Because he didn't let anyone do that. Uh, well, you know, I, I had put that into the deal when, when he was recruiting me. I, I told him that um, in order to get me to go there, I wanted to have the ability to tape my shoes like I did in high school. And uh, it took a little while, but... Um, he he finally decided to let me do it, so I was able to tape him up uh, before every game. Any of your teammates look at you and say, "Hey, how come I can't do that?" Uh, I'm sure a lot of them did, but they never, you know, they never really said anything to me about it. Uh, and and it, it actually it never became a huge issue, uh, but it was something I wanted to make sure that uh, I had in a deal. That's for sure. How difficult of a decision was it for you to leave after three years? Uh, you know, actually, it wasn't that hard a decision when I I met with Coach Holtz uh, after my junior year. Um, he wanted to meet me and and my parents, so they came in and we all met together. And Coach Holtz told me there that um, I had done all I could do uh, in college football and that I should go and uh, and test. Uh, myself in the NFL, so he he gave us his blessing, and uh, that was the end of it. Did you have any idea that the Rams were going to draft you in the first round? Well, yeah, I knew it was either there was only two teams in uh, in the top ten picks who wanted a running back, 
uh, and the, the two teams were the, were the um, Arizona Cardinals uh, and the Rams. And, you know, there was two running backs. It was myself and, and Garrison Hurst. Uh, and so I knew that, um, you know, he was either one place or the other. So I, I had an idea once once Arizona took Garrison Hurst that I was probably probably going to the Rams. Did you have a preference which team you would have gone to? No, I didn't. I didn't have a preference. Um, you know, I didn't know much about either either franchise because you know they were you know on the West Coast and in the western part of the country. I, I just I didn't really follow either team, so I didn't know much about either one, and and, and really had no preference uh, at that point. Were you a Lions fan growing up? Actually, I was a Dallas Cowboys fan. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, I didn't watch a lot of football um, because I grew up as a bowler. I didn't, and so I didn't play football until high school. So um, I didn't watch. The only games I really watched was on Thanksgiving, and it was either Lions playing or Dallas playing, and Dallas usually won all the time. So I kind of watched them as opposed to watching. Um, uh, my Lions. You flourished as a rookie under Chuck Knox's system, and then because he was known as a running coach, and then Rich Brooks comes in. Was that a big adjustment for you? Yeah, it was a big adjustment, but it was more so in in his his um, philosophy more so than the, on the field. You know, he came in and he felt as though I had I had um, lied to him. Uh, because he had asked all the all the veteran players to come into training camp early because he was putting in a new system. Well, I was in the middle of a contract dispute with the team, so I held out, and he 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 felt that I had held that that I had um, lied to him uh, because I didn't come on time when I was going through a, a holdout, and every at that moment. That was pretty much the end of our relationship, and so he pretty much, you know, he would put me in the game for, you know, a series or two series and take me out for the rest of the game, and so he pretty much ended uh, the relationship uh, that I had there with the Rams. So you pretty much knew that a trade was going to come about? Yeah, I I was hoping that a trade would come about. You know, I told uh, the management, that if I didn't get a trade, I was going to retire, and I was, I was serious about that. I went back to school and, and re-enrolled in school, and uh, I was committed to uh, not coming back. And they eventually, once saw saw they saw I was serious, they gave me permission to seek a trade, and that's how I ended up in Pittsburgh. That was a great uh, move on your part because I mean the Steelers have always been known as a running team. I mean, from Franco Harris and Rocky Blyer, and you were going to be playing under a great coach and Bill Collar. Yeah, and it was, you know, it was a great move for me for my career. Uh, you know, they had just come off of losing a, a Super Bowl to the Dallas Cowboys, and so, you know, I, this was a Super Bowl caliber football team that I was going to, and I just felt that, you know, it was going to be great for me and for my career. And as it turns out, it, it was. So it, uh, it made a big difference. What was Bill Cower as a coach like? Oh, he was great. I mean, he was a, um, he was a player's coach. You know, he was the, 
he was the kind of that kind of coach that related to the players well. He knew what we were thinking, uh, and he also, you know, he gave us uh, leeway to 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 go out and, and take care of business. And you know, definitely uh, a a championship coach. And you know, they they've also mentioned his name for the Hall of Fame. He'd be somebody that I would vote for. I tell you that much. With the Steelers. At one time, you ended up on the bench, not being a starter, and you talked about patience before. Were you able to have patience then until you got your chance a second time? Yeah, I, I was. I understood it, uh, and I'll never forget what I, what I said when I found out. You know, I, I said that you know I had been I had been on on the other side of of most of Coach Cowher's decisions. And at this time, I was not on uh, the positive side. I said, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll handle this like I handled the other times. And, you know, I'll deal with it. And I'll work my way to uh, hopefully changing his mind. And then by the end of the season, uh, I was able to change his mind and become a starter uh, again. So, it, you know, I was patient, but I also understood that, you deal with the ups and the downs with the same humility, uh, and, and I think that's what makes you a professional. You were involved in a kind of controversial call during a Thanksgiving Day game with the coin toss in overtime. You said that you called tails and the refs said it was heads, and they changed the rule now that you make the uh, call before the coin flip. How Was the ref not paying attention, or what happened there? If if I knew it, we'd have gotten play play changed. <laughs> I wish I wish I could tell you. I guess he, you know, he he misunderstood, didn't hear it. I I wish I could tell you what happened, but uh, what I do know is they gave the Trey Lions the ball and they went down and kicked the field goal, won the game, and after that point, I got fired from the coin toss. Uh, Coach Cowell fired me. That was the last time I ever caught a coin toss. So. That was the end of it for me. They watch replays for everything, and there was replay then. Couldn't they have replayed it and heard what you were saying or watched the film and read lips? Yeah, but it, it had never happened before, so I, they didn't have a protocol for that. Uh, so it was one of those, we were in limbo. You had to take their, they took the referee's word for it, uh, and that was the end of it, which you know I can understand, but... Uh, it was devastating for us because we lost, I believe, uh, uh, the rest of the games that year. Uh, that was the sad part. In 2005, uh, Steelers played the Bears. You had a, a two-touchdown game, and there was a play at the goal line where you ran over Brian Urlacher. Does that stand out in your uh, your memory is one of your favorite plays. Oh, absolutely! That well, you know that that game uh, was a was a great game uh, because it really propelled us to to winning the championship. So you know, when I go back and think of think of that game, uh, you know that that play really signifies you know what. Um, what everything was about. It was about winning. And that play kind of signified what we were able to do and able to then go on a, a four-game winning streak 
and get into the playoffs hot and then win uh another four games and, and become champions and, and it was it was definitely because of how that game went. Uh it it really propelled us because with us we were playing a, a playoff game uh a lot before everyone else because that game meant if we lost, we were out of it. And we won, and then we kept winning. Next thing you know, I was holding the Lombardi Trophy in my hometown of Detroit. Thank is, you. It true, is it true that Ben Roethlisberger talked you into coming back for that final season? Well, he you know, he didn't talk me into coming back. He promised me that he would get me a championship. We were talking uh, on the sidelines after we lost the championship game the year prior, and he told me, you know, Give me a chance. You come back. Give me one more year, and I'll I, I, I get you to a championship. And and uh, he was a man of his word. He kept his word, and 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 we won a championship. Elliot, we know Jerome Bettis is going to Canada. I wonder if he's going to take a bus. <laughs> uh, probably a limousine. You're listening to Sports and Torts here on TalkZone.com. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, another Hall of Famer, former Kansas City Chief, Will Shields. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. 